chapter 16. Let's get going here this morning. Romans 16. Um, the Tucson, we don't know when the next one will be. Uh, well, I'm kind of letting them decide that down there. So uh, as soon as I know, you'll know. And then we can plan from there. Romans 17, if you will. We're down now, I'm sorry, Romans 16. We're down now in verse 17. <laughs> if you've got a chapter 17, then we need to talk. <laughs> Romans 16, verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not, o- not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning the evil. And the God of of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. By the way, you'll notice that it's the second time Paul has said, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. He says it at the end of chapter 15. He tried to close the book. Then he couldn't, you know... (laughs) Preachers have a hard time just shutting up, being done. Well, Paul's the same way. Then he does that personal salutation down through verse 1 to 16. And now here in verse 17 to 20, we're going to look at this section today and again next week because of the amount of information that's here. And I don't want to just, you know, I can do it in one, but then you're just going to go, huh? So we'll do it in over two, two studies here. And we come to this section here where now Paul lays out a warning. And the warning for the and and for the very first time, Paul's going to warn the believer about the satanic policy of evil. And he's going to bring up Satan himself in verse 20. Okay? And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. And there's a lot of things people say about that and well, I have a lot of, to say about that as well, and we'll get to we'll get there when we go. But Paul doesn't talk about who Satan is, okay? He just brings him up in connection to the satanic policy of evil against the body of Christ, okay? Now we have a lot in the Scripture about who Satan is, his character, his history, his program. Where he comes from, you go back to Isaiah 14, you go back to Ezekiel 28, you got all that description. Paul doesn't go into any of that here. He Actually, he never does in any of his epistles. But he does talk about tactics and mechanisms and things. And here's the policy of evil that, that Satan is going to have toward the church, the body of Christ, in the dispensation of grace. And, and again, Paul doesn't need, you have the Old Testament. The believers have the Old Testament. They, they understand, they can go back and search out this guy, you know, and, and do that. But yet here, what Paul's going to do now in the warning and by bringing him up is he's going to lay out Satan operates under new tactics. If God is doing a new program, and Satan operated a certain way there, now Satan's going to operate a certain way under the new program. And it's fascinating, you should take some time and read Acts with the simple looking for how Satan persecuted Peter and the little flock, 
And then as soon as Acts 9 happens, that persecution moves to Paul and the body of Christ, guys. But the way he does it changes as well. And so Paul brings is going to deal with that. So there, there's this warning here, and there's this movement here that we need to understand. Satan understands what God's doing today. He understands he's doing something different. So then guess what? Satan's going to understand that today, and he's going to do, and he's going to operate differently. That's why in verse 18, we have good words and fair speeches to, sem- to deceive the hearts of the simple. And we'll talk about that. This morning, what I want us to do is just grasp the proper understanding of the adversary's tactics. And what just look at some verses here and how Paul... How Paul lays out, here's how Satan works. The way that Satan worked in the gospel, demon possession, okay, the unclean spirits, is not the way he operates today. The reason is, is God's not not in the real estate business. He's not developing, he's not bringing in a kingdom, he's not uh, worried about people in the land. What's God doing? He's building a heavenly kingdom, a spiritual, a heavenly place. We're going to work a little different here. So you, you can't say that Satan works the same way when you come through Paul's epistles here. And he begins to look at it. So we, we see Paul here, again, in verse 17 to 20. And, and actually, we need to have a, 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 a proper perspective, a proper understanding on how the adversary works, how in his tactics. And, and I know we've spent time last year looking at Satan and different things and everything, and yet I'm still impressed when they get the questions from time to time, well, cool, can someone be demon-possessed today? Well, not if he's not working that way. Look over with me at uh, 1 Corinthians. Oh, I just had the verse. Isn't that goofy? First Corinthians eleven and verse one. You see in First Corinthians eleven verse one, where Paul says, "Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ." Okay. Now the new Bibles take that be ye follow. They take the followers and they change it to imitator. Okay? Actually, Schofield has a note on followers, letter H, imitators. You are not an imitator. Do you know who the imitator is in Scripture? Satan. See? See how the New Bibles just destroy that. Destroy the authenticity, the power, the authority of Paul's apostleship and who Paul is. Why? Because we're following him as he's doing and so forth. So you, we're, we're t- that's an interesting thing there. And they'll say, and I, by the way, I didn't look at the New King James, so I don't know what that says. I know that's a big push with everybody over the recent years. The problem is, is their own pre- preface to that Bible destroys the fact that they're just a rewrite of the King James because uh, they say that they follow the, the minority text lines and so forth. But my point is, is 
imitators. No, we don't want to be that. So when you come back here to chapter 7, 16, when we look at some verses here in just a few minutes, there's some things to notice about the adversary, what he's doing, how he's working. But what I want you to also notice is what is not there. And then we'll see as we go along how we are equipped, equipped to stem the rise of apostasy and to be able to stand against the adversary, the satanic policy of evil. But look at verse 17, 16, 17. Because just notice the warning, all right? And, and again, verse 17 it, it gets chopped up and gets butchered and gets used and abused and everything. Uh, and, you know, it, like, it's a great verse really on church discipline. It's a great verse on discipline yourself. Because what does he say? Now I beseech you. I, again, language of grace, grace language. I beseech you. I'm not making a demand of you. I'm not making a command of you. Now in 1 Corinthians 5, when he tells them to kick out the, the bad guy, he says, I'm commanding you to get rid of that guy. I want you to move him, get him out of the assembly. Here he's not doing that. He's like, guys, he, Paul knows, I, we said it in chapter 15, that, that dare of grace... That gamble of grace. God knows, Paul knows, that if you take the, the message, the grace of God, you put it into your inner man, you believe it, you study it, and then you let that life live out through you, that what happens is, is you will want to protect it. You will want to be very careful what you let in onto the table of your mind. I'm impressed at how many believers grace believers rightly divide dispensate that watch all this nonsense out there oh we do it till we know what's going on you don't need to watch that to know what's going on just read 16 17 and 18 here and you know but what happens is you put that in there in your thought process and it begins the the i beseech you guys come and join me come and do what i'm doing here brethren mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. N notice, mark them. Now, we understand what that is. We're, we're identifying, uh, we're, <laughs> mark them, uh, the Greek word, and you know what I do with Greek words. It's about it, right? <laughs> it's, it's our word for scope, a rifle scope, okay, where you're able to have a broader area of awareness, all right? And the only reason, by the way, I know that is because when I clicked on it on my uh, eSword program, I had moved the Bible over to the King James with the Strong's numbers, and it popped up, and I read it. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, again, that's how much, you know, that's how much this scholar, I love that the other day you said about the scholars, this scholar looks at things <laughs> like that. So that means I'm not a what? A scholar. <laughs> I don't profess it. I don't play it. Anyway, I'm way off base. Mark them. We understand what that is. It, it, we, we need to have a wide-eye awareness of what's happening. And uh, security terminology or military, it's called situational awareness. We need to be aware of what's happening so that we don't operate in darkness. Spiritually, we're talking about. So we don't get shifted away and pulled. Why? Mark them. Okay? 
that cause divisions and offenses contrary to my personality, to my feelings, to my ego. ego. No. To what? To the doctrines learned. See? So we're to mark them. By the way, that doesn't mean that we are to attack. We're not out heresy hunting. Okay? Now, there, uh, Paul to the Corinthians says, you know, it's good to have heresies every now and then so that you know who to go talk to and go look at, okay? And uh, let those that, um, oh, I think it's 2 Corinthians 11. Anyway, I'm way off base. Stay in 17, 16, 17. It doesn't mean we be mean-spirited. doesn't mean we be unkind. So to mark someone is to just simply identify those that are the cause, the source of divisions that are contrary to Pauline truth, to the doctrine learned. Now, at this point, what do we know? We're, we're, the only doctrine we're knowing is Romans. So if someone comes along and they're going to preach a work salvation, what do we do with them? We mark them and avoid them. Do you know what it is to avoid someone? That means you don't go to lunch with them. Doesn't mean, it means you don't send them a birthday card. That, you what? You avoid them. You go the other way. You see them coming and you're like, like they were doing with us at the swap meet. You make the big round walk, you know. You avoid them. Why? Because a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump, it messes you up. So our responsibility is to identify what's happening around us. And then the remedy is to mark them, identify who they are, and to avoid them. Verse 18. Again, we're talking about bad doctrine. That's what we're talking about. But the standard isn't what I think. It isn't my feelings, my understanding. It's what does the verses say, okay? Friday night at the Bible study down there, I told him, I said, I won't bring a theology book up here and lay it in front of you and, and read from it. We're going to read from God's Word. It's what, what causes, what bad doctrine is what causes the division. And then the doctrinal division is what leads to a practical division. You see, our, our warfare, Ephesians 6, isn't with flesh and blood. It's with what? Spiritual wickedness, spiritual darkness. See? That's where our warfare is. So when someone's in it, we have to, you have, that's why that thing in, that Paul does in 2 Timothy 2 about the servant of the Lord must be gentle. Why? Because we have to pause a moment and remind ourselves that the person isn't the issue. We're not after him. We're after what? The mess behind him and where he's at. Now watch verse 18 because here's their agenda. Here's how they do it. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. But Rick, they're biblical. They're using scripture. Well, you can use scripture and not be dispensational and you're part of that group called the world's most dangerous doctrine. Okay, just because you're scriptural doesn't mean you're good to go. The Lord tells them, you guys are going to say over here, uh, look over there at Matthew 7. Just We were talking about this Wednesday night, Matthew 7. Matthew 7. 
You see, to be scriptural, though, though I, I'm going to do a couple messages later in the, in the, the, well, this year, I hope, <laughs> on the world's most dangerous doctrine. You know what that is? It's to be scriptural and not dispensational. Look at Matthew 7, just verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Wow, what a statement that the Lord is making. Verse 17, beware of false prophet. Verse 15, sorry. Which come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. He's not talking to the Gentile world out there. He's talking to the nation of Israel. And you know what he says, verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have not have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. What are they doing? We're up here doing your work, Lord. Now look at the next verse. Then will I profess unto them, I never oh, knew you. Now there's the shepherd knows the sheep, and the sheep know his voice, and so forth. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And that issue of iniquity is that special, that special sin. Come back to Romans 16. That special identity of, a, of that special sin associated with the adversary, with Satan, with Lucifer. Ezekiel 28, when he falls, and that description there, he says, an iniquity was found in you. That's back into Genesis 1-1 and 1-2 time, that gap in between there. Verse 16-17. Uh, so the standard of a mark and a void is the doctrine in Romans. Okay. Now here's how this they attack. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So their agenda is what? Good words and fair speeches. Now he's not saying that you shouldn't have and shouldn't use good grammar. Every now and then I'll make a word up, you know. Okay? He's not talking about Apollos was eloquent in the scriptures. He's not talking about that being bad. He's just talking about the words being used and the fair speeches and their design is to deceive the hearts of the simple. Now that word simple is very interesting because he uses it again in verse 19 about being simple concerning evil. But here in verse 18, the simple here is the idea is those who have not learned the Romans doctrine. If you haven't learned the doctrine in Romans, okay, and you don't have that footing in place, by the way, that doesn't mean you know every little nook and cranny, okay? It means what? We got the basics. Then you're going to be you're going to be a, a ripe candidate for the attack of the adversary. He's looking for you to pluck you and to cause you to move away. Good words and fair speeches. That's how they're going to attack. That's how it's going to get moved along. Okay? If you hold on to here and look at 1 Corinthians 1, he says it here, verse 17. 1 Corinthians 1, 17, next chapter over. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, 
not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. You've all heard that. You come out of religious background. The most starking one that I've ever heard was, well, we, uh, it's an outward expression of an inward faith. Well, that's good Israel doctrine. That's not good Bible, uh, body doctrine. That's a, that is a wisdom of words. See, we walk the aisle as an outward expression of an inward faith. No, 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 no. You just said you had to do what? <laughs> you had to do something. Grace says no, 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 no. See, but it's preacher speak. Why? Because he's got a, well, all the emotions are moving in the morning. Get them down there. Come back to chapter seven, uh, 16, verse 18. By the way, verse 19, here's the answer. Do you know what the answer is? Don't be simple. The, the simple, again, someone who is not fully equipped in the Scriptures. We'll look at it more next time. But here's the answer. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. See that? Don't be simple. Your obedience, your obedience of faith to the doctrines learned. That's the issue. That's the answer. Then he says, I am glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good, which would be what? The doctrine, and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And again, here's the first time in Paul's epistles in the edification process where he introduces Satan to us. Okay, we don't see him before, we see him here. So now there needs to be a brand new understanding of who and what and, 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 you know, a, a, a new perspective, a new mindset about how Satan works. And what Paul's doing here is there is a clear and present danger, guys. It's called Satan. It's called the adversary. By the way, I'll just tell you, 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 do, you do you remember where Satan is going to get bruised, where that came up the first time? Genesis chapter 3. It's very interesting. Paul doesn't take us back there, but he uses language from back there. He uses language like, but their own belly. Look, look back at Genesis 3. I was going to do this next week, but I'm thinking about it now. Look, look back there at Genesis 3. It's just interesting. <laughs> Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now look over at verse 14. The Lord God said unto the serpent, by the way, the serpent, he wasn't crawling around on the ground like a snake. That's a figure of speech to, de to describe the character of this guy. Okay, It's just like in Revelation when they say, Behold, the Lamb of God. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ wasn't a four-legged animal going, Bah, over there in the corner. It's a, it's a figure of speech to decide the character of what was it. He was the true Passover lamb. Okay, Verse 14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field, and upon thy, isn't that interesting, belly. And Paul picks up the belly. See? Then we have 
in, in Romans 16, we have good and evil. Well, what tree were they not to eat of? The knowledge of good and evil. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Then in verse 20, we have Satan being bruised under your, your feet shortly. And we'll, we'll get into that next time. My point is, is Paul says, look guys, there is, go back to Romans 16, there is a clear and present danger. We are in a spiritual warfare. We're in spiritual danger here, and you need to know, understand how this is operating. Now, he's doing it at the end of the book of Romans, because where have we been through Romans 1 to 15? Those four pillars of doctrine, four foundations. He says, okay, you guys have all of that edification in you. You have all of that equipping. Now, you need to know why that's so critical because you, gotta, you have a foe, you have an enemy, and he's going to attack. And how is he going to do it? Good words and fair speeches. That's how he's going to do it. And if you're ill-equipped, then you, you know what you are? You're simple, and you're a candidate for, him, for vic, being a victim of the adversary. It's quite fitting here at the end of Romans that he does that. And what we see here, that issue of being simple, that issue of being ill-equipped, not operating based on the doctrines learned, not based on that obedience there in verse 19, that faith obedience. Think about what we've learned, chapters 1 to 5, our justification. What did we learn? Our justification is by grace through faith alone, isn't it? No works, no activity, right? Our justification is by grace through faith, apart from our work of any kind. Now, what does the attack say? What does the fair speeches say and good words? Well, no, you've got to work to get saved. And so they dress it up. Okay, Come back to chapter 5 of Romans. Sorry, we're back in Romans 5. By the way, you spent a little time with that Genesis 3 thing. It's very interesting. Paul, oh, excuse me. <coughs> I breathed in and spoke out at the same time. <coughs> I'm, I'm a multi-talented guy here. Paul, Paul drags you and I back to Adam over and over again. The Lord Jesus Christ and the twelve take them always back to who? Abraham, Moses. Paul takes us back to the start. Why? Because by one man sin entered into the world. Your problem is, is you're kin to Adam. I'll get back there. So what does the attack say? They say, no, you've you got to work to get saved. You've got to do this to do. You've got to walk the aisle. You gotta, well, what does 5.1 say of Romans? Therefore, being justified by what? We have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus. There's no working anywhere in any of that. So they come in with good words, fair speeches, and they... They design a salvation package, a gospel message that makes you feel good when you say, yep, that's what I am. That's what I, I helped him out. And Paul, the truth in Romans is, no, you didn't help him out. If you helped him out, you made it of none effect. Chapter 6, 7, and 8, what do we learn about? Our sanctification, our identification who we are in, in our relationship to sin and to the law 
and to the flesh. Come over to chapter 6. What does the attack say? What does the good words and fair speeches say? Well, if they say you got to work to get saved, now what do you got to do? Work to stay saved. Work to prove you're saved. You got to follow the law, man. We got to get in there and 600 and whatever, you know, 30 or 80, 683 or 38 or whatever it is, commandments. You got to do that. Well, how many times do you have to be told, thou shalt not kill? You know, that's just a common morality thing. But no, boom, the law, the law, the law, the law. You got to tithe. Ooh, that's the big end. If you're not given, we, we had a guy yesterday at the swap meet. He made the comment about, I don't do religion. You know why? Because he was Catholic, I think. And he was in Vietnam for two years. So they come back, and him and his wife, they're going to go get married at the church. And you know what the church says? You hadn't been given for two years, so I ain't marrying you. He goes, dude, I was in Vietnam. He goes, it doesn't matter. You could have been given all along. Yeah, no wonder the man hates religion or anything associated with a Bible and a tract. And, but that's what the good words and fair speeches do. But what does 6.14 say? For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the what? The law, but you're under what? Grace. You see, folks, the fact that you give in the offering box in the back, by the way, it is in the back, okay, so make sure you're giving, all right? The reason you do that is the cheerful giver, the grace motivation, not me up here pounding away. Actually, if it wasn't for this on my, remember the offering box, I wouldn't even say anything about the offering box. But the treasurer says, you need to mention the offering box, <laughs> Toughest job in a, in a local assembly is the treasurer's department. You know why? Because they see it coming in, and they see it, the little come in and the lot go out. <laughs> and it's a rough, it's a, it's a rough gig, um, but it's well worth it. But that's what, this, that's what the attack is, good words and fair speeches. How about in chapters 9, 10, and 11? What did we learn? We're not Israel. We're who? We're the body. But this is what God did with Israel. It's what he's going to do with her in the beginning. But what does the attack say? Oh, no, you are replacement Israel. You are spiritual Israel. You're the new Israel. See, Chapters 12 to 16, the grace application into life. What did we learn in chapter 12? The living sacrifice principle. What it, but the attack says no. We didn't see you down in Tucson for the Bible study. Where were you? What were you doing? We don't see you on Wednesday night. Where are you? Well, I'm online. No, you're not, because I know how many are online. <laughs> see? But, so what, the system is keeping an attendance record, you know? No, you, you're going to come and do because I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. See? So bad doctrine. Good words and fair speeches. Now, again, we're not talking about proper grammar or expanding your vocab. Have you ever read the voc Have you ever read the dictionary? You should read the dictionary. There's some great words in there. Serendipity. What a wonderful word. That's a beautiful word. There's actually a movie with that at the time. You know, but unfortunately, mainline Christianity has usurped it. The Calvinism has usurped that word. But the thing is, is he's not talking about don't expand your 
You know, actually, Paul got yelled at for being rudimentary. He's rude. Not crude, but rude. Rudimentary. He's using basic language levels. Why? So you get it. If I came in and said, now today we're going to talk about eschatology, you'd go, what? What is that? Google it real quick. What is it? <laughs> What's that? End time study of the end time. But if I say, hey, look, we're going to talk about the ages to come, now you know what we're going to talk about. Instead of the, but you know what? See, though, if you spend a lot of money going to the seminary, the cemeteries, I call them, the seminaries, then you're going to want to do what? They have to teach you the big words to offset the cost. I mean, you think about that. Now, if you're a doctor, you need to know the big words. But this you don't need to know the big words. No, you just need to know the doctrine. So what I want you to do the rest of the time that we have is I just want to walk through Paul's epistles here. And I want you to notice something here about how the adversary is working, where he's working, that, that backs up the good words and fair speeches attack. But I also want you to notice what is not happening today. So look over with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2. If you and I, if we take in the body of doctrine given to us in the book of Romans, lay that foundation, make it solid and sure, put the counter on it, make sure it's good to go, then we won't be deceived by good words and fair speeches. We won't be simple. We won't be ill-equipped. We'll be able to identify rather quickly what's happening and what's being said. Okay? I mean, you know, you if you watch anything on the TV, Christianity, uh, uh, Christian Broadcast Network, any, TBN, any of those guys, you instantly can hear it. I was listening to uh, a young lady. Well, she's not young anymore. And she was going at it. I'm like, I want to see what, how this goes, you know. And she was, because she said something about God's grace, and it was accurate. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Turn, turn back. Until the end. And you know what she gave? A works gospel. I'm like, dude, you blew it. Turn it off, <laughs> you know. But I know, mil- I know hundreds of people that sit in dispensational Bible study churches, right division, that watch her and love her. And they don't have, they like the feel-good stuff instead of reaching up and doing what? Avoiding her. Just turn it off. So, look at 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. We're just going just, to walk through here. Uh, and I, Paul, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you, the testimony of God. Now, Paul was not a dumb man. <laughs> he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the leading theologian of the day for Israel. He was a lawyer. He sat there. He learned. He's a Pharisee. He's a Hebrew. He has a, he, he, he's studied the Stoics and the Epicureans. That means he's very, very well understanding of what's happening out there. He knows who Diana, the goddess of Ephesus, is. He's not... So he's not an, an idiot, and yet what did he just say he did? What was his mode? I came not with the excellency of what? Speech. Now watch verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with 
enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Enticing words. He says, I didn't come down there with a bunch of emotional-based words to invoke an emotion. Why? That's the good words in fair speeches, isn't it? They're emotional. They're designed to, to, to move you to human viewpoint, human reasoning. And that comes from a persuasive language. You, you guys, uh, if, if you've ever seen Joel Osteen, I call him Mr. Smiley. And you, and you just listen to what he's, how he says things and what he says. He's got a great writer. He really does. If he doesn't do it himself, I don't think he does. I, and I mean, it moves you. See, the old thing and 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 learning to preach and so forth and the delivery of it is you tell you start with the joke and you get them laughing and then you get them crying real quick, you know, and you swing them. No, let the just get into this. Paul says, I didn't come to you that way. I didn't come to you with fair speeches and good words. I just came in there with what? The doctrine right across the board. <laughs> right there at level high, slow pitched it to you so you could hit a home run. Verse 17, 217. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 2. And good luck finding 17. 2 Corinthians 2. Enticing words. 2 Corinthians 2. Look at verse 17. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we where? In Christ. So there's a corruption of the word of God, and it's coming from speaking. They're connected in the verse. By the way, we'll get over there in just a minute. In 2 Thessalonians 2, you see that happening. So the corrupting here is literally the corrupting of the text of the Word of God. Okay? Uh, hold on, just because we're talking about it. Look at 2 Thessalonians 2. Uh, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but hold on to 2 Corinthians. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as at the day of Christ is at hand. You know what's happened? Someone's reached in and said the day of Christ is now going to be called, the day of the Lord is now going to be called the day of Christ. So they took a, a, a really horrible, terrible event and, and, and replaced the terminology, the language, by word, by letter. So in the letter that's troubled the Thessalonians, chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, they know about the day of the Lord more perfectly. So the letter comes to them, and it says, the day of Christ, and it describes all this stuff about the Antichrist and what is properly called the day of the Lord. That's why Paul will then say, for that day shall not come, except, and then he lays it out. Why? Because they're reading a letter... They've heard a word that said what? The rapture isn't the day of Christ. The day of Christ is this stuff over here with the Antichrist. You follow that? They're being usurped by what? Good words and fair speeches. 
And I think, by the way, the reason there's so much great confusion about 2 Thessalonians 2.2 2 is they miss the little letter word, the two letter words in that verse. That you uh, not be soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, now watch, nor what? By word. How are they troubled? By word, preaching, speaking. And the reason I say that is because then he says, nor by what? Letter. There's the written. So there's somebody preaching that what? The Antichrist and all that is really should be called the day of Christ. It's not. You studied the day of Christ. That's our day. But the day of the Lord is what he then describes down to verse 12. See? As from us. They say, well, Paul Paul just misquoted. A better version would be. A better translation would have been. <laughs> you know the fa- good words and fair speeches. Now, go back to 2 Corinthians because we've got to move here a little quicker. 2 Corinthians 4. So in, in 2.17, the corruption there is corrupting the text. 4.2. 2 Corinthians 4.2. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, nor walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God. How? Deceitfully. Now, that's making the word say something that it's not saying. Okay? That's saying, every time you read the word Israel, think body, the Reformed theology group. That's not. No, we're, now, we're, now we're handling the word of God how? Deceitfully. Now we're over here in our theologian books. <laughs> what did you call them? The scholarly books. Okay. No. What's the word say? It says what it says. It means what it says, and so forth. Come over to chapter 11. By the way, do you notice something that's not on the pages so far? Okay, keep looking. 11.3. But I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. How does he do that? For if he that cometh, watch, preacheth, another Jesus, whom we have not preached. Or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received. Or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Look at Notice that preach and receive. This stuff is being taught to him. You you notice how the adversary doesn't say Jesus Christ never existed? He just says, we're going to preach a what? Another Jesus. An earthly, we're going to preach the earthly ministry of Jesus today when really the preaching of Jesus Christ is according to the revelation of the mystery. We preach Christ. We just preach him in his heavenly ministry. They're preaching him. But they don't do that. What do they do? Well, there's another Jesus. There's another, and so forth. Look down at verse 13. Who are these guys? For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. The two-letter word. What do they look like? They look like the ministers of righteousness, don't they? They're using Bible, just not dispensationally. They're using Scripture because they know that they have to use Scripture, otherwise the people's going to reject it. So they're over here dabbling and doing all, got you back in the Old Testament, got you, feel, got you 
you know, what did we say the other night? Win them, wet them, work them, and whip them. You know, they got you under the treadmill. And then when you bring up, well, what about God's grace and this? And Paul, oh, you just don't know. You didn't go to school. So you just need to sit there. No, it's right here. What are? By the way, this tells you who Satan is using. He's using men. He's using mankind, humanity, to do his bidding. Now, nobody goes to Bible college with the intent of deceiving. They go to with good intentions. The problem is, is what they're learning is what the, where the deception is. You follow that? Come over to Galatians 1. Galatians 1, verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed. I love that. Soon. This doesn't take very long. From him that called you into the grace of Christ, unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, how do they trouble them? How do they pervert it? But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any, see that, preach, preach, good words and fair speeches. Any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. And by the way, accursed, chapter 5, verse 12, defines that as being cut off. Romans 16, 17, mark and avoid. Move them along. Don't listen to them. Come over to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth whose, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Look at that. They've been bewitched from what? Obeying the truth. How? By preaching good words and fair speeches. Chapter 5 of Galatians. Galatians 5. <clears throat> Galatians 5, verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you? that ye should not obey the truth. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. You guys are moved. You're hindered from not obeying the truth. And I didn't do that to you. Someone else had. Therefore, verse 9, a little leaven does what? Leaven the whole lump. You let a guy in because he's using good words and fair speeches and you know what he's done? He's done dragged you down over here into not obeying the truth. He's done dragged you into mixing law and grace and thinking that you're going to be a teacher of the law. Come over to Ephesians 4. Again, preaching, enticing words, speech, good words, fair speeches. Ephesians 4 verse 14. Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait. By the way, lie, L-I-E, they're lying to you. To what? To deceive you. Say, whatever, tossed to and fro by every what? Wind of doctrine. Boy, the wind's been blowing. What happens? Picks stuff up and moves it, doesn't it? Just moved it over here. Moved it, you know. Right now I'm fighting the leaves from the HOA property. <laughs> Every time I blow them back, you know what the wind does? Blows them back. I said, why bother? That's what I'm doing. 
what, how, how do they move? Good words, fair speeches. Colossians 2, a passage we've been through, verse 4. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. What a beguiled, spoil you. Verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Where do we find all of that? Old Testament. Israel. So what are they doing? They've done dragged you back into the Old Testament. See? They got you back over here. But how did they get you there? Enticing words. Fair speeches. Good words. Verse 18, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind. And again, the new Bibles take out, hath not seen. They, they take the not out of that phrase, and they say, intruding into those things that he hath seen. And wait a second, now we're on extra biblical information. So now we're moving completely, but how did they get there with you? Good words and fair speeches. Come over to, well, we did 2 Thessalonians, come to 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1. You see, folks, do you notice something that's not here in this as we're going across? I hope you are. Because it's a different perspective. How is the adversary working? He's not working like he worked in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's working completely different. He's working where? Good words, fair speeches, enticing words. You know why? Because they got itching ears, don't they? I get ahead of myself. 1 Timothy 1, verse 3. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some, that they teach no other doctrine, neither giving heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Fables. Get up and tell stories. Somebody was telling me that they were watching a, a, a grace church. Well, okay, grace in the name, I guess hour of rock and roll worship music, 30 minutes of, of a fable, of a story, with a, with a moral teaching to it. Itch their ears. Just enough. And how that people were walking out saying, what a wonder, in the comments below, what a wonderful message that was. What a great day. Woo, ready to take. And what did it do? It, they're prime candidates for what? The adversary. He's got it. Ver, uh, chapter 1 here, verse 6. From which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. I love that. you got little babies, and you get your keys out, and you jangle the keys. Noise. Vain jangling. Uh, Psalm says that the Antichrist is going to peep and mutter. Just, you know. Desiring, verse 7, desiring to be what? Teachers of the law understanding neither what they say, so they don't really understand what the law is all about, nor whereof they affirm. They don't understand. Not only do they not understand what's really going on in the law, we do that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in our gospel studies. We'll get in and we'll say, okay, this is a picture of this, 
And I've had numerous emails. I didn't. I never knew that. Well, why? Well, I was taught Mark this way or Matthew this way. Okay. Well, no, there's stuff going on. The Lord's fulfilling and doing. And but then they don't know what they affirm. They don't know. They don't understand the spiritual result of putting you back under the law is, which is death to your Christian walk. But they put it out there as you got to do this for your Christian walk. Chapter. Four. Chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in a latter time some shall depart from the what? The faith. The message given to Paul. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies. See how he's doing that? Speaking. Preaching. Enticing words. Good words, fair speeches. Chapter 6, verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, oh, well, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No, that's Paul's epistles. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 14? If you think yourself to be, a, to be spiritual or a prophet, you'll consider the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ to you and I today come through Romans to Philemon and to the doctrine which is according to God. Wholesome words. Verse 4, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words. See the questions and strife of words. Now we're arguing words. Wrath doesn't really mean wrath. It doesn't? Okay. You know, hell doesn't really mean hell. Now, now what are we? Now we're arguing about words. How does he work? Words. You come over to Second Timothy chapter two. Uh, to me, this is the most. Man, we got to quit already. Don, done it. Two fourteen. Well, you're going to give me a few minutes. So, uh, James and Andrew aren't here, so we'll take a few minutes past eleven because we don't have to worry about singing. Two 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 2.14, of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. So how do I avoid words to no profit? Verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Verse 17, and their word will eat as doth a canker. Isn't that interesting? Come over to Titus 1. Uh, by the way, uh, I'll just give you these. If you look at 2 uh, Timothy 3, if you look at verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust. How did they get there? Good words and fair speeches. But now look at verse 7. Ever learning. I went to Bible college four times. I've got every degree known to man. <laughs> Ever what? Ever learning. But never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Again, that's, that's a wow. You can be a professional student, 
and never come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, by the way, it's always been right there on the pages. We didn't add it later, you know. Chapter 4, verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. What are they looking for? Teachers, speaking. You come over to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. For they that are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things that which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Isn't that interesting? By the way, there is none of none of this in Philemon. Philemon's the only book that doesn't have anything in here about how Satan works. And there's a reason for that with that relationship. So when you come back to Romans 16, I hope you notice something here. What did all these things have in common? Enticing words, preaching, teaching, the written word, the letter, oh, speech, speaking, good words and fair speeches. But did you also notice was not there? No supernatural demon possessions, no territorial demons, no unclean spirits, no casting out of unclean spirits, no supernatural intervention on the behalf of the adversary. None of that. Why? Because God didn't work in that way. So you know what we have to do? We have to... We, we have to <laughs> We have to recognize that the activity of Satan in the Gospels is not how he's working today. How, where is he working? Right in the pulpit. That's where he's working. Right in the teacher. Again, they don't go off to Bible college to, to intentionally deceive. It's just what's happened. They're now being deceived. Now They've learned a system. Ephesians 2, the course of the world. And they got you. Okay, he's working through teaching. He's using good words and fair speeches to deceive the simple, those that are ill-equipped. You and I that are equipped, we hear it, we go, no, nope, turn it off. Won't need that. Those that aren't, what are they? They vacuum it, suck it up. Okay. So when you come back to Romans 16, we're going to go back down through the passage and catch some of the details there. I just wanted you to see how, Sa how Paul in his epistles says that Satan is working and what he's doing, and but what he's also not doing. He's not possessing people. There, by the way, the reason he possessed people in the Gospels was because Israel was to possess the earth, the land. And if he could get Israel to be unclean, not usable by God, then God could not possess the earth. God's not doing that today. So he's not operating that way. He's in, okay? All right. Well, I thank you for the extra five. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your son, for all that you've given to us in him, and for all of that we just simply with a heartfelt thank you and an appreciation and a value then of what you're doing today. In your name we pray.